0: afternoon everybody welcome to the matt townsend show i'm your host dr matt townsend your relationship coach your guide on the side we do what we can on this program to give you some tools a leg up in this crazy thing we call life you know it doesn't come with a user's manual we just got the body and now we got to try to figure it out so on the show we'd like to give you some tools some ideas some real life solutions for how you can uh just deal with some of the things that uh, maybe are going on. One thing that has come up, imagine this, okay? You uh, married maybe five, ten years, maybe one year, depending on where you live. And uh, you and your cute little honey go to the family reunion, and you're sitting there trying to have some turkey, uh, a little stuffing maybe with your turkey. Maybe it's Thanksgiving. And, you know, you've been trying to get your life together. You're married. You just got married. We're ready to get through college. And some cute aunt says, hey, when are you two going to have a baby?
1: Matt, can I tell you a, a story from my family? Did this happen to you? No, this hasn't happened to me yet. Okay, cause, Well, it kind of has happened to me. I get more of the why aren't you married? Oh, yeah, First comes thing. love, then
0: marriage.
2: Well, they yeah. should ask,
0: why aren't you in love with someone?
1: What is your deal, right? Why 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 haven't I fallen in love? I don't know.
0: <laughs> why haven't you?
1: I don't know. Why don't you tell me? I, listen, I'm asking you. No, why aren't um, you married? So so my dad was like I don't know twenty six twenty seven. Yeah. He had like a one year old baby girl or something. That was my older sister. Um, and he was at this family function with my mom's family, and my maternal great grandmother. Comes up to my dad and and playing with my older sister and she's like, so, so Jamie, when are you, when are you going to, when are you going to make me another, another grandbaby? And she kept asking and asking and asking. (laughs) And so, um, this was not the first time that she had brought this up and my dad was kind of sick of it. And so he just kind of turned to her and he yelled at this old lady. He was like, when I figure out how I, how I made the first one, Uh, I'll make another one. Cricket, cricket. That's right. (laughs) That's right. He he was angry. and (laughs) How old was she? I I don't know. A thousand. I don't know. But see, that is... It's a poor
0: 90-year-old lady getting yelled (laughs) at. I'm pretty sure she was dead before I showed up. Isn't that just the crazy... Like, my daughter's newly married and young for, you know, getting married. She was young. But um, everyone's asking her. And every time someone asks her, I'm like, shut it. Don't bring that up. Don't bring that up. And she even jokes about it. But it's it, – so there's this inherent thing that if you're married and, – and interestingly, we don't we don't ask a young college couple that's not married that are intimate and together. We don't say, hey, uh, when are you guys going to have a baby? We because that's not how it works. Well, no, there's an order, a structure. And I fully believe in the structure. I really do believe. Love. Marriage, babies, great order. Then there's this weird dilemma because we're asking a question that's so personal.
3: Well, it's a talking point no matter what age you're at. When you meet someone new, they're like, oh, you married? Any kids? Well, yeah, that's you know, it's, it. it's just, automatically like, it's goes just what people talk about first. They're, they're more likely to ask about that than they are even to ask about your career. Well, it's
0: interesting. So guys actually, I think, ask more about the career. So, hey, what's your name? Hey, John. I'm John. Hey, what do you do, John? we kind of go to the what do you do
4: this is this is all natural selection it's evolutionarily advantageous to ask about children yeah because i it must be hard coded in our genetics because people who don't have that hard coded in genetics might not put peer pressure on one another and so therefore the species doesn't that's survive that's exactly it. but those that did did cause peer pressures peer peer pressure did survive the code got passed on to future yeah, generations. I think
0: that's it. And that's See,
4: why natural selection makes us that say
0: things that are mean cow. and insensitive to people. Colonel Rob Sanders, I think you're on to something. Oh, show's so your, over. We're your done. Your mean old grandma was just <laughs> trying to push natural selection. She was trying to say, look, if you, are you guys procreating? Because we need grandbabies. We need. Which she live had bodies. plenty at that point. Yeah. just wanted to point that. out. She's, but see, and so, she this is a really interesting thing because, you know, uh, there's the kind of the religious side, which a lot of us believe we're supposed to have children. It's an it's an essential part of our existence. It's part of the test and the growth. And then there's kind of there's this there's this weird um, reality. Listen to these statistics that are happening. Uh, Right now, according to an article that was in Time magazine that actually made a huge just I don't know what we call it. It it caused a little splash. It caused a huge splash. Um, But the the name of the article is called Having It All Without Having Children. Uh, Let's see. American birth rate is at a record low. And now what's happening is there's kind of the haves and the have nots are starting to fight. So it's causing this battle between people that are having babies and those that aren't, and those that aren't are obviously selfish, and we're starting to polarize kind of this discussion. But listen to this. Um, The birth rate in the United States is the lowest in recorded American history. From 2007 to 2011, the most recent year for which there's data, the fertility rate has declined 9%. A 2010 Pew Research report showed that childlessness has risen across all racial and ethnic groups, adding up to about one in five American women who end their childbearing years maternity-free compared to one in ten in the 1970s. You said that was since 2010? Yeah.
4: Well, that's because nobody can afford it.
0: When Times you're living are you in
4: your parents' basement, you don't have a lot of room for the second third and fourth kid
0: and then all of a sudden people are asking so when are you guys gonna have babies and interestingly add to the add to the discussion some can't have babies so they're getting peer pressure and social pressure and they're not having them some don't want to have them some have very good reasons why they don't have them i have a client that is so anxious that she had one child and she feels incredible guilt because she thinks that child needs a, needs another brother or sister to play with, but she knows emotionally it'll kill her. So is that selfish or is that really smart? And then meanwhile we have every other story that we're getting on Earth that of all of these people that shouldn't have kids. So we've got p- people that shouldn't have kids having kids, and then we have people that maybe should be having kids not having kids. What's going to happen to us?
1: We're doomed. If I think trend, it's no over. seriously, if
0: that trend keeps going, we're doomed. Then there's the guilt, and then there's the question. So, what's your deal? So imagine being a woman that would love a child that can't have a child, and every question she gets at every vacation, every holiday is, "So, why aren't you making babies?"
3: Well, and to go along with that, with both sides think they're right. Right, you know, both sides of this argument, or all five sides of this argument think that they are the correct one. And they're looking at the other side very critically where, I mean, there's a lot of things that mostly people who ask the question, why aren't you having kids don't consider at all. With regards to the fertility issue, it's extremely expensive to have fertility oh, treatments. Yeah. It's so expensive. It's even more expensive than that to try and adopt a child. Yeah. I mean, the people don't even take that into account. If, it, if you are infertile, they're like, well, are you trying stuff? What are you trying? Yeah, and why? it's like, number one, personal. Yeah. Don't ask. Number two, <laughs> do you have any idea how many thousands of dollars that might be?
0: Isn't that the weirdest thing? I have six kids, and so I obviously believe you should have children. But when we told my grandma before she passed, she was in the hospital bed, which probably this wasn't a good timing thing. Um, but she's, we told her we were expecting, I think it was our fourth. And she came from a different school. The, she was older, but her school wasn't like, you know, multiply and replenish the earth. Her view was, this is basically what she said. Hey, Nana, we've, we're expecting again. And she looked at me with just dis- like... And these were her exact words. Matthew, control yourself. <laughs> You've got to control yourself. Oh. And but the irony of it is, so this is kind of the opposite of that. We wanted children. My wife was a school teacher. She loved kids. She believed in it spiritually. She wanted to, she loved the role. She was way into it. She, she wanted to lose herself in it. Honestly, I was a little bit
3: more like maybe four because
0: I don't know if I like kids. And I'm kind of selfish.
3: Well, to, to to give a little bit of context where I come from, my father had one brother. And my mom came from a family of eight.
0: Holy cow.
3: And so how many ideas, are in your family? I'm the oldest of nine.
0: What? So so mom won.
3: <laughs> Basically. Um, the interesting <laughs> thing is their family cultures are so very different because yeah. of the amount of children and their ideas of what their own family would be was so radically different. It's just interesting that, you know, my grandma, my father's mother, um, she had these two boys. She raised them as well as she could. It was a great little family. Yeah. You know, nothing. I mean, it was great. And my mom's family, a little bit chaotic, huge Italian family, whatever, worked for them. There was nothing wrong with either right. of the two families. Right. So it was just interesting. It's,
0: don't you think it's just so personal? It's such a personal thing. And again, I think I think you can have your belief that we need to have children. And I totally believe that. And I believe I believe it needs to be a choice. Um, and I also believe, honestly, that there are some people that shouldn't go near it.
4: I just can't figure out why I, who shouldn't care, yeah. am so driven to want to ask so badly. <laughs> it's, it's the, 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 person I, the person I'm thinking in mind, he and his wife have been married six or seven years even at periods of time where they purchased houses, yeah. you know, with room to grow, and so you think, oh, they just bought a house. Well, got a and, house, so they're gearing up. All I can figure is that he and his wife are so awesome that it's yeah. like I can't wait to just see like how awesome this little kid's going to be. Yeah. who still hasn't come, and then so you're, you're every dying time it's like on the tip of my tongue, like, I just want to say, you, hey, just, there's a it's none of my business. But there's I'm let just me curious.
0: There's a parallel question that it, we also ask. That is even about, you know, expecting. But we all know not to ask it. Like, um, will you never ask a lady if she's pregnant.
3: Never. Oh, boy. Is that true? Never. Especially at a Do restaurant. Do not, in the grocery store, at the mall, at well, What if at she's kind of looking pregnant? Nowhere. Never Kay. know how. Now tell me why. Because she may not be right.
0: Because you don't know the data. You don't know all the data. Or
3: even if she is, she'll be like, "Oh, I look really huge, don't I?" Now,
0: watch this question. So, uh, so if I say, "So are you pregnant?" And You're like, "No, just <laughs> bad thyroid." <laughs> then you're dead. You're dead because yeah. you can't talk your way out of it. Now watch this one for Rob's question. So, um, what wh- are, are you are you guys gonna? And we will just stymie. We we're stymied by how to say it. Uh, are you, are you trying to have a baby? Are you going to have a baby soon? Now, watch this answer. Oh, yeah, you know, we just miscarried Oh, last week. But thanks uh, for your concern.
4: I think what I didn't let slip was when they had this house that had a lot of rooms in it. Yeah. I think I just said a line just subtly like, well, that's cool. Well, you know, it gives you a lot of room to expand if and when the time yeah. is right. It- and And they didn't. No. Say, respond to it so that we me was, know that it was not an open topic of discussion yeah. but I hope that wasn't pushing it too much that was
1: diplomatic that was, I wasn't yeah. bad that yeah. could have been no, a lot it, worse certainly
4: uh, that, <laughs> but it also doesn't sound like it was a great thing to
0: say either well you know, you know I guess I know, too I just, but it also depends on your relationship and I just think we don't know what to do with it. And, and again, I think it's called the para- It's the paradox, right? So I can, I can believe that people should be having children, and I don't even think that's just my Darwinism in me, <laughs> the survival of the fittest. I truly believe spiritually you change when you have to take care of somebody. One of my favorite singers on earth, it's weird. Guess who it is? Josh Groban. Tony Braxton. <laughs> no. And no. England I, Dan and John no. Ford Cohen. Elvis. Now, it'll blow your mind. Because she's crazy. Pink. Really? I love her. I'm, I'm really not going to lie. Did not see that coming.
1: Pink.
2: You're digging that ex- exclamation
1: that. point for an eye.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: pink. Exactly. exclamation
0: point N-K. And she's so opposite of me here. I'm just this little Mormon boy with six kids. But, and she's racy, lives on the edge. You because can tell. does she
3: have a child? Yes. A
0: but the, the funny thing is, is if you watch her videos before her child and after her child, I see a different woman. I really see somebody that's now tempered and a little bit more like, I'm not going to do something too crazy because I got to go home to my baby. There's something about that. That's my So that's my spiritual belief. I don't think that that means everyone else has to live that. I really don't. And I also think that there's a lot of people that would love to live it that don't have the opportunity. And yet we still judge it. We still have weird conversations about it.
3: Well, I think that same sort of effect kind of happens in everyone who really serves someone. I mean, I have several severely handicapped cousins. Yeah. And their fa- like their brothers and sisters, their younger brothers and sisters, taking care of them totally. since the time they were born, right. y- these sorts of things, it, I see the same sort of effect. Or even people who dedicate their lives to, you know, serving the homeless or yeah. volunteering in schools or, I mean... It, It's There's something to be said for giving up a lot of your time and a lot of your emotional energy to help someone else. And I think children is just one part of that. I think you're
0: right. And I also think we can't just automatically think someone's selfish because they're not having kids because none of us have a clue. And if I'm a woman that's miscarried five times, the risk of doing that again is overwhelming. So on the show today, we're talking about how to handle, how to talk, how to relate to, uh, to parents, to non-parents, people trying to become parents that can't be We're going to be bringing on an expert called the Savvy Auntie, and she's going to teach us the power that uh, we can play in the lives of children no matter how these children are in our lives. If we're their aunt, if we're their brother, their sister, or their parents. We'll be talking to her. We're also going to come back with our own Bryce Tobin, who's going to put together a little rant for us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking kids and uh, kind of the weird awkwardness that takes place when we judge people based on whether they're having children or not. Uh, most of us don't have a full picture. And interestingly, ask yourself this. Um, when it comes to parenting, so you're a parent, let's say, are you a really good example of somebody that makes parenting look uh enticing and interesting to every other parent or future potential parent on earth. A lot of us don't parent in a way that it actually looks nice or wonderful. We we seem to kind of make it seem horrible, like ghastly, <laughs> like these kids. I mean, if you've ever been on just an airplane with one person that's five children deep and doesn't know how to handle it, that's enough to maybe make everyone on the plane never want to just be like, I'm good for the
1: next five yeah. years. Eh, whatever. We'll see what I have
0: feel back then. And, and what we need, I think, are a little bit, uh, you know, instead of just being impatient with all these people that supposedly aren't so interested in having kids, maybe we ought to just be really good parents ourselves at first and uh, and understand there's reasons. Everyone has reasons. Some people have bad childhoods. Some people just can't have children. But our own Bryce Tobin has put together – he just has a really interesting question because I guess the inherent question is what about kids? Is it good to have, or is having kids good? Is it a good thing? Let's hear
1: Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. I'm here to answer the question of whether having children is inherently good or bad. Now, biologically, we're in a pretty good place as a species. There isn't a desperate need for more humans. As long as we all have about one kid at some point in our lives, our population will be just fine. Which is pretty cool because that means having kids is voluntary. As a species, we aren't being coerced by some outside motivation to keep reproducing. And this lack of coercion works really well for the discrepancy I'm about to point out. The discrepancy is that most people will say that having kids is good. But for having kids to be good, not having kids needs to be bad. And that's just not how we treat the situation. So think this out with me. There's four primary scenarios that get their own general reactions out of people. There's the married couple who has kids. This gets a positive reaction. It's run of the mill and boring to talk about, so I won't really devote any more attention to it. Next, there's the married couple that doesn't have kids. While this lifestyle is popularized and put on a pedestal in some cases, it generally gets a negative reaction, with most people wondering why they're delaying having children or accusing them of being selfish and self-centered. Next, there's the unmarried couple having children. This one's a bit of a mixed bag, but the general reaction is sort of a condescending negative. The logic being, come on, if they're living together, having kids together, sharing bank accounts, they're pretty much married without having any of the legal advantages of being married. Also under this umbrella is the single parent. This reaction seems to be tempered by age, as in, young single parent? Well, clearly, they were irresponsible and they're paying the price for their reckless behavior. Compare this to the single parent in their 40s, who is a hero and a saint for sticking to it? I'm sorry, but I already feel the discrepancy beginning to rear its ugly head. And finally, we have the gray area. There's the unmarried person not having kids, which is… good? I mean, we don't want to create any more single parents, unless they're 40, because then that makes them a hero. But if they're younger, then no. But it's good for them that they're not having kids, because they're their own person, pursuing their goals and moving forward with their life. So that means kids are goal killers? Nah, they're certainly capable of that, but that doesn't happen in every case. And remember, our assumption is that having kids is inherently good. So by not having kids, this unmarried person is bad While pursuing their goals and trying to change the world? Do you see what I'm getting at here? It's like this is one big case of having your cake and eating it too. So wait, 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 I have a thought. Why does this matter? I can absolutely understand pressuring someone to have kids when people only lived about 30 to 40 years and the village needed young people or they wouldn't be able to survive the winter. But that isn't our world. If we want to get really technical here, I can go kidless until I'm like 60. And then you know what? I can find some young honey and have about 20 kids before I'm likely to kick the bucket. Not only will I have met my quota for progeny, but I will have put the rest of you to shame. While unlikely, this is a very possible outcome in our world. Women don't have quite the same window of opportunity as me, but it's more or less the same. So I'll answer both of my proposed questions. Your opinion on someone else's childbearing does not, in fact, matter. And having kids is neither inherently good or bad. It's just a thing some of us do at some point in our lives. That's all. Some people will have kids, some people won't. Some people can't, and looking back, some people shouldn't have in the first place. But the world will not end if we all don't reproduce to maximum capacity. Besides, kids break everything and Xboxes are expensive, so please get off my back about it. All right, I'm out. And remember,
0: don't forget to be awesome. Well, look at you. That's quite the little rant. I tried to be factual. Very factual. So apparently, um, everyone's got a different reason. Sometimes a few reasons. And we still kind of automatically see some people as maybe bad. Or is it just uh, they're making the wrong choice? Yeah, I don't know about that. No, and and or yeah, because it's like they're just being selfish. Yet again, we don't have all the data.
1: And when you think about it, I can go about twenty years without having kids, and then I can have lots of kids. Well, yeah,
0: I guess you can catch up. You can catch up. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, chances of me dying before forty are pretty low. It really is. It's a really interesting battle. As again, somebody that loves kids and even believes kind of and believes spiritually that it's important for me. Um, I also see that I I kind of like that. Some people are actually making it a choice. I I get, I'm just as afraid of of a lot of people that don't even think about the idea. And eight kids later, they're in my office with eight kids under 10. And you're like, what you guys, come on. You got to slow down a little bit. That's I'm using my advice from my aunt, my grandma. I mean, control my yourself. Nana. control yourself. So we've brought on an expert and we're going to bring her on after this break. Um, she really uh, is so impressive. Her name is Melanie Notkin. And she. So when Time Magazine came out with this article, uh, having it all without having children, you know, just kind of. Talking about it was the whole cover it was about the child free life and it was kind of glorifying the realities of being child free You have more money, all this stuff but um, we we wanted to take the other side as well and and, and just get some real life information from somebody that knows there 's a lot going on uh, when we get into this because just the whole concept of womanhood and modernity um, they brought up in the article. Inherently, you're going to get into parenting. So a woman should be having children, right? Come on. But if you're a modern woman, you should have a career. And how do you balance and all this stuff? So we're going to talk to uh, our great friend, Melanie Notkin, who is the founder of um, Savvy Auntie, a guide for cool aunts, great aunts, godmothers, and all women who love kids. She's going to come in and give us a little... Uh, A lot of information, a lot of insight into what's really going on here and uh, what we should probably be focusing on. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. everybody to the matt townsend show today we're talking about uh child's play children the childless parent right um some of the weird judgments we we instinctively make about people and maybe this weird battle that's going on that might where we've drawn the lines you're either good or bad if you're having kids, you're good. If you're not, you're bad. It's just an interesting battle. Um, so we wanted an expert to come on and, and help us kind of work our way through this. And we found, we found Melanie Notkin, uh, who is really a leading voice of nearly 50% of American women who are childless. Um, she's the founder of a website called Savvy Anti. And uh, you, you really need to go check out her website. She's written a book called Savvy Auntie, the ultimate guide for cool aunts, great aunts, godmothers, and all women who love kids. Savvy Auntie, by the way, is ranked among the Forbes top 100 websites for women, top uh, 100 most powerful women on Twitter. That's Melanie Notkin, and uh, is the top 10 women in social media. So, Melanie, are you there?
5: I am here. Here. thank thanks. you so much for having
0: me on well thanks for being on because it just it's such a weird little thing that we this pressure that we put and then the arguments pro child anti child mm-hmm. better lives with them better lives without them in, in all your studies and i know you've written some great articles in fact you even kind of i guess wrote a little bit of a rebuttal to time article um, mm-hmm. and so tell us what you're learning
5: Well, you know, first of all, it's not about judgment, right? Nobody should judge anybody for having kids, not having kids, choosing to have kids, not choosing to have kids. Uh, You know, unless the the children's welfare is at risk, Mm -hmm.
2: um,
5: really anybody who wants to have a child should have a child, or if they don't want to have children should not have children. Right. What What I look at is this idea, this notion that, all childless women, or most childless women, don't want children. And that's a fallacy. Right. And my issue with the cover story, the time cover story, the child-free life, um, it helps to, to perpetuate this myth that women who are childless want to be childless. First of all, there are many shades of gray. So a girl who's 18 is happy to be childless, probably. Yeah. Right. Right? And a woman who is 50, who doesn't have children, may not want to start at 50.
0: Yeah, let's not go there, and, right?
5: Right. So, so we have this, this, these, this time, right, where, where society thinks it's, quote-unquote, normal for, for a woman to have children. Somewhere, let's say, in her early 20s, maybe, depending on what part of the United States you live in, right? right? Maybe New York gets a little older. Yeah. And, and in Midwest, Utah, it's, it's younger. younger, yeah. Um, and then a certain point where it becomes unnatural for her to begin to have children. yeah right? now it's Somewhere dangerous maybe in her, Yes, so late thirties, forties, etc. And so there's this little window of time, about fifteen years where either she's having children or she's wrong for having for not having children.
0: Well, and, and, and none we, of us even know, do we? But all we need right. to know is okay, you're how old you're you don't have kids? oh, 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 okay.
5: And, and what we forget is the fact that most women prefer to be in a relationship yeah. before they have children. They want to have a child with the man, or yeah. depending on one's, one's uh, life with a woman, with a partner that right. they want to have children with, whatever the case is, right? We want to have a partner. Now, um, many single women, especially, those single women who are four-year college educated tend specifically not to want to have a child before marriage. Now we know that there are there are statistics that many girls who are in their who are um, in their 20s and single mothers um, generally are not um, are just high school graduates or are not even high school graduates. Not not to say all of them, and it's certainly not a judgment. Right. So that's just the data.
0: So that's actually interesting because the if they're educated. Yeah. Um, they're, they're probably more prone to go to career, right?
5: Yes. The, the difference is that it's not our career. That's the other myth,
2: mm-hmm.
5: is that we're called career women. Right. Well, there are no career men. Yeah. We, women who do their civic duty, you know, to pay the rent, yep. to, to give to charity, to contribute to society, who have a job. Who are childless are called career women as if it were a choice. Yeah. As if paying the rent were a choice.
0: Versus the men that are just doing their, they're just being a man, doing their job.
5: Yeah, we're, we're, we're. Right, exactly, like we made a choice. Now, the career woman idea came out of, you know, the 60s, maybe early 70s, where it was much more rare for a woman to have a job, certainly a job beyond, you know, the four main jobs of, of teacher, nurse, right. secretary, right? Mm-hmm. So if she was a an attorney, a doctor, even if she, you know, she, the Mad Men era, you know, they were considered career women. But a lot of those women ended up marrying and having children, maybe a couple, of years later. And by the way, this whole idea of having it all is the title of a book by Helen Gurley Brown, yeah. who married um, at age 37. And she wrote that book in the 80s, and it was to say, you know what? You don't have to get married at 22. Enjoy your 20s a little bit more. And she focused more on have get married and babies in your 30s. Mm-hmm.
2: So
5: in the meantime, somehow, in 2013, a woman who who goes to school, which she's, you know, is encouraged to do right. since the day she's born, gets a college degree, yes, gets a job. Sometimes those jobs are more demanding than others, but yeah. she gets a job.
0: Not always conducive to date li- dating life, not always conducive to healthy social life, even.
5: No, but, but one that she has to do, right. right? She would much prefer to go out on a date, but alas, and here's the other side of the coin, the woman who has children has to run home because she has dinner with her children. Yeah. So this woman is at work because she is doing the work that the mom can't. So we're all contributing to family in one way or another, right. just directly or indirectly. I don't know one woman who has ever said, I am madly in love with you. Yes, I want to marry you. But hey, I got a conference call tomorrow at about six. Can't marry you. Right. That's not the way we are. We want to be in love with the right partner, and most want to be married. Most say a a cohabitated union is good enough, and have a baby with that man. In fact, studies show, a study out of the Boston School of Economics, that women who are age 35 plus, who marry for the first time, actually have healthier, longer marriages. Really. And I heard you say earlier about catching up. Yeah. In fact, a woman who has her first birth at age thirty five plus actually has more babies than the average woman.
0: Really? Well you know, I mean she's really? all I mean, think of that though. It's it seems like in a way it's her she's it's this choice in this almost ideal timing of her life. She's got some career, she's got her life, she's found the right partner, they're married, and it's, it's almost, it's idyllic.
5: It's idyllic. The problem is, right, that she's got this short window of time, and yeah. not all of us find that right man in our 30s, right, or our early 30s, when it's, you know, already we're feeling the pressure. And some of us who reach 40 who remain childless and single or finally find that love, that right love, um, then it may have a problem with conception. Yeah. And so to say that we are, and I've been called myself, child-free, mm. and I take exception to that because I'm not free of children. A, my life is child-full, yeah. as I say. I choose to fill my life, a Savianti, with the children in my life, my nieces and nephews. That is a choice. The choice wasn't to remain childless. The choice was to wait for love. Unfortunately, that's the one thing, no matter how great we are at our career, how great an aunt we are, how great a friend we are, a daughter, a sister, the one thing we cannot control is falling in love.
2: Right. We don't
5: do our best.
0: Well, and and falling in love and then having the skills and the actual person that can help you maintain a love and retain a love with the maturity that's needed and I mean it, you think about it this isn't this isn't an easy task you're you're trying to find the right person with the right skill sets and you've just explained beautifully with the right timing with the right understanding and it all has to converge now some of us you know find someone in high school and marry them young and lucky and you figure it out and it, and it works, but it's, you're, you're saying, I mean, you're going with the normal statistics of today now that people are marrying later, more are going to work, more are going to school, more are getting educated. The game's more complicated. So to just assume someone's going to have a baby, come on.
5: Right. And, but most women do want children. doesn't mean that all right. women want children, and it doesn't mean that the women who don't want children are wrong for not wanting children.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, again, Would yeah, Exactly.
5: When Thank a woman you. hit between the ages of 40 and 44, and the U.S. fertility rates and the CDC only look at fertility in America through age 44. So we actually don't know. The, the statistics aren't actual because we actually don't know women 45 plus. But women 40 to 44, half are child-free by choice, half are child childless by circumstance like me mm-hmm. or biology. Now, of those people, the 50 percent... Um, who are child-free by choice, may be child-free by choice at 42, but they weren't at 32. But they may not want to become mothers at 42. Or they may not want to have the money or be able to or want to invest in the technology it may take to get pregnant and have a child at 42, or have gone through several iterations of... Um, of IVF, etc., and don't want to do it again. Don't want to miscarry again, and say I am decided. I am not going to have children,
0: or have a partner that doesn't. I mean, that, so That's it's correct. doubly hard, right? Because so now we have two opinions about each of those circumstances. We, um, I want to take a break. We're talking to Melanie Notkin um, from the website savvyanty.com dot com. You really you need to go check out this website if you. If you just want to see the power that people can have in um, the life of a child, there's nothing more powerful when you look at this website than really good aunts and really good godmothers. And, and just I don't see how it could do us any harm to just love our kids. We're going to take a break and come back. And the more people we can get loving our kids, the better. Melanie Notkin will be back with us from Savvy Auntie. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. We uh, Today we're talking about moms, aunts, um, children, and some of the weird stresses and pressures that we end up putting on each other when we make assumptions about people, judgments about people. I mean, everybody gets to the stage of love and marriage and a healthy, strong partnership with somebody. And then the decision to make a child. And it's a very, very personal decision. Um, it's, and it's so personal that, in a way, I, what I love about our guest today is I think she's helping us to, to make sure that we, we understand the complexity of it. Just because somebody isn't having a child, a woman isn't having a child, doesn't mean she doesn't like children. <laughs> doesn't mean she doesn't want children. Doesn't. I mean, sometimes it's just flat-out timing. And sometimes it's we're waiting for the partner, we're waiting for the love, or sometimes we've lost a partner or we've lost a love or we've we we've miscarried. Infertility issues. So, our guest today is Melanie Notkin. She is the leading voice of nearly 50% of American women who are childless. So, the idea that if you're not out there having kids, you just probably don't care, it doesn't pull uh, weight or hold water if 50% of American women are childless. She's the founder of the website SavvyAnty.com and the author of Savvy Auntie: the ultimate guide for cool ants, great ants, godmothers, and all women who love kids. Savianti is ranked among Forbes' top 100 websites for women, and Melanie is one of the top 100 most powerful women on Twitter and is a top 10 woman in social media. Melanie, thanks for joining us.
5: Oh, thanks so so much for having me again.
0: You bet, and um, really, you, she's got so much great stuff on her website. I, I really uh, I love it. I appreciate it. And I'm not one that would just normally go read the the website savvy aunties, but mm. but honestly, um, you can tell she has a passion about it. Keep talking to us a little bit, um, Melanie, about the the infertility. I've had clients mm-hmm. that honestly have spent I don't know forty. trying to have children and Mm -hmm. the pressure they feel to and the timing of trying to have these kids and knowing that, you know, the implantation at this stage is going to be this much money and you're only got two eggs left. And if these don't work, then we're going to have to go harvest more. And that's another 10 or 15,000. Talk, talk about that and, and kind of the stresses that that must, that that puts on a woman.
5: Well, of course. Um, and, and it doesn't just start when she's, when she finally finds a partner or as some women do in their early, um, late, late thirties, early forties, decide to, um, try to have a baby on their own. If they've hit that window of, of possible, um, you know, the, the end of their fertility. So yeah, it's very expensive, but even in their twenties, women are beginning to invest in egg freezing because Mm. they see their older sisters the women in their 30s and early 40s and 40s 50s who were not able to have children because by the time they found that right man um in their life they um, were at the end of their their biological fertility and that in new york city can cost twelve thousand dollars to freeze your eggs and then you're paying by the way every month to store those rent
0: yeah yeah you're paying uh, a rent on those eggs yeah. And
5: so you know, and yet we're not supposed to have jobs, right? And right. yet, you know, we're, we're vilified for being quote-unquote career women. And,
0: and yet and you're yet freezing your eggs for, for having... the hope of having a child someday. But you exactly. guys don't like women. I mean, you don't like children.
5: Right, well, exactly, right? Ugh. So here we are investing so much um in in our in our fertility and in keeping healthy and keeping in shape and doing all of these um, extraordinary things to stay as fertile as we can, as long as we can. And yet, a woman is not allowed to talk about that, because then she seems desperate, right? I mean, a woman is not allowed to be on a date even if it's a third date, and talk about the fact that she wants to be a mother one day, because, well, then she's desperate. Right. Um, and so there's a lot of pressure, a lot of mixed messages on women um, to not necessarily to have it all, but to be it all at all times.
0: Plus, it and just seems he, like the inner heart, your inner heart is is has this ticking, tick, tick of... These dreams, maybe these desires to be to have a child and to mm-hmm. I mean, so there's that going on. And you're saying to not being able to actually voice it because culture doesn't, you know, respect it because your dates might be afraid of it. It's got to be a very lonely feeling.
5: Oh, I appreciate that. You said that it can be very lonely. It's what I call, you know, or what psychologists call disenfranchised grief. Hmm. What I call circumstantial infertility, and that is the grief a woman feels in her 30s and 40s before she knows the window of her fertility has closed completely, but is on its way there. Mm. And not only the window of her fertility, but of her heart, of her dreams of being a mother in her 20s.
0: Yeah, and her her grandma, I mean, she's had these dreams probably since she was... Three, four, five, six being a mom. Oh, I
5: bought a baby name book. When I was 12, I had all the names <laughs> you know written yeah. there. I was set. Yeah and many women are, not all women and it's okay right. if you're not like that. Yeah. It's not a judgment call. But for the women who are like that, who want to meet the right guy, right before they have these children because they don't want to settle for, and, and no man deserves to be married if he's not if she doesn't love him. Yeah. right. So we're all in this together. So she's so, you know, she, but she is reminded constantly, you better hurry up. Yeah. Time's ticking. Grandma's just keep somebody. bringing
0: it up. You're oh, it's too enough. bad. You're not as, like Stacy, your if, sister.
5: Exactly. As if she doesn't have her own biological clock that reminds her on a monthly basis. Right. Yeah. What's going on. She is more aware of her biology than anybody else.
2: Oh, that, that's yet, true.
5: She is constantly reminded that she's not doing enough, and then she's got this list of all the things she's doing wrong. She's too picky. Well, of course she's picky. <laughs> this is marriage. Yeah. It's not what she wants in her hamburger.
0: <laughs> she's not ordering a hamburger or a salad. She's she's picking. She's trying to find a partner. Well, maybe you just what you need is just just pick anyone. Sure, pick yeah, anyone to next, mate just with, with, with. That and, guy. That's right, and raise your child.
5: We're also making the assumption that her heart was never broken.
0: Right. That she doesn't have a
5: history. Right. That there was no guy she wanted to marry and would have married and wanted to have children with. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't necessarily at the right time, at the right place, or maybe he didn't love her the way she loved him. And so there was a lot of pressure. And the disenfranchised grief comes when, you know, on a monthly basis, essentially there is a death. That's why there's blood. Yeah. There is a death, and she grieves that. And yet, because she is single, I'm speaking of the single, childless woman now. She is not allowed to be sad. Only when one is in a couple and trying and investing forty five thousand dollars in um, <laughs> fertility treatments are you allowed to be sad. Otherwise, it's your fault. Ugh. And even, of course, those who are struggling with with um, with fertility issues and are investing the money as a couple are told well you we should just adopt now adoption can cost tens of thousands Absolutely. of dollars too
0: and and pain and time and, and complication and and uh, yeah i mean the, the funny thing is is it, it's it's weird because we um we we kind of assume this is going to be normal for everyone everyone's just going to find their love hello you're just going to start having kids hello you'll probably have them in your 20s but the reality of our existence is it's not that way, and yet we we you're still judged accordingly. You're still judged as if, like, what is your deal? In fact, we have a card game called Old Maid.
2: Mm-hmm, it's right?
0: like—and that's this looming concept. Oh, you're a spinster. Right. I mean, it's and pressure. We're
5: now a career woman. That's sort of the modern— Yeah, way now that's kind I of
0: will- the—as if, as if, again— You've given up, yeah, I'd rather have my career, which some do, but I'd rather have my career than this opportunity. And you're saying that's not always the choice. That really wasn't the choice well, in mean, a lot of the, cases.
5: I think half, what was the, like half of American mothers work. Right. Like, having, paying the rent has never stopped anybody from having children. In fact, almost the opposite. Not being able to pay the rent is what stops people
2: mm-hmm. from having
5: children. So um a career is not really what's in our way. And of right. course there are women who who don't want to have children for their career for because they just don't want it whatever right. the reason it doesn't matter. But but to say that it is a a growing trend lifestyle that childless women or men are choosing is a fallacy that yes some are but most of us want to have children and in fact The idea that we are, you know, sort of heartless, cold women, or almost worse—that because we don't, we've never conceived a child and/or had a child come out of our womb—that we don't know how to be maternal. Yeah, you—you don't understand kids, right? What (laughs) I say is, babies are born from the womb, but maternity is born from the soul. And there are many ways to mother. Yeah. And that's where Savvy Auntie came. Because there is this growing trend of women to have children later. The truth is, most women have, as many women have as many children today as they did um, 35 years ago. The difference is we're having them later.
2: Hmm.
5: And um, yes, it's true that many of us, by circumstance, um, and ending because it's toward the end of our fertility um, by biology end up not having um, children by the end of our fertility. But often enough, it's not by, by choice. Yeah. And so um, as we spend a longer life, lifespan being childless, even if it is by choice, we still love the children in our life.
0: And that's what I love about SavvyAunty.com because, and we're going to come back and talk about this, I want you to show us, like, what what are the roles that you're taking and um, how can these these people that are been silently struggling without a child, uh, what are some things that they could still be exercising this love and this maternal instinct um We're going to get into that. Uh, This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend here, your relationship coach your guide on the side. We're doing what we can in our program to give you some tools, some insight, some of the great experts that exist in our country to uh, to give us some guidance in how to live our lives. It's interesting, you know, here we are, and most of us didn't have a handbook for how to deal with our lives. We're just trying to figure it out one day at a time. So what we try to do on this program is give you really in good insight and the experts who can help us. Today we're talking about... Um, childless people, and for whatever reason, and, and actually, I love our guest's take on this. She actually doesn't even use the word child. The word childless. She uses the word child full. Just because you don't have uh, your own children for whatever reason, doesn't mean you don't love kids. It doesn't mean you didn't want kids. It doesn't mean you only care about your income and your job. Um, it it can mean that you know. Things didn't work out. Timing wasn't there. Um, You didn't have the partner you wanted or the right partner that that could be there for you. And so we're talking today with Melanie Notkin, the leading voice of nearly 50% of American women who are childless. She founded her own website, called savvyanti.com she's the author of the of the book savvy Auntie, the ultimate guide for cool ants great ants godmothers and all women who love kids she is um, a very well respected uh, expert in social media she's been identified as one of the top 10 women in social media her uh, so also has been identified as one of the top most 100 most powerful women on Twitter. She's also a toy expert, which is interesting. She serves on the Toy Industry Association Toy of the Year nomination committee and is a former contributing editor to Toy Wishes magazine, which, by the way, if if, uh, Melanie was your aunt and she's a toy expert, I'm telling you, this is a good (laughs) life for your nieces and nephews. Melanie, thanks for being on the program.
5: Thanks so much for having me.
0: And, again, they can find you pretty much if you just look up "savvy auntie." You'll find it on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, on – you'll find it everywhere. Or just go to Uh, MelanieNotkin.com. Melanie, I really am so impressed with what you're doing because, again, there's just this weird kind of judgment. And and I think the weird thing about the judgment is it comes from both sides in a way, from the the people that are so, you know, you need to be having babies and making them as soon as you can, to the other side of – you know, if you really cared about moving the women movement forward, you wouldn't you would just go get a job and change the world. And you're Mm -hmm. saying, you know what, it's personal. And everyone's on their own path on this. And just because I don't have kids doesn't mean I don't want them.
5: That's right. And, and, you know, very few women, not to say that there aren't, but very few women um, are not becoming mothers because of you know, the the feminist movement of the the 1970s. In fact, Betty Friedan, um, who wrote The Feminine Mystique, you know, tried to make it clear again and again that she loved her husband and she loved her children. (laughs) It was that she wanted something more than housewifery. Right. So we wanted more opportunity. Um, And, you know, it was not this more opportunity we expected to take away from marriage and children you know we thought my generation i'm generation x we thought we'd have the social economic and political equality our mothers didn't have but naturally the husband and kids they did we didn't know um as time went on that unfortunately we may not um, have the opportunity to find love and have children um and not because we didn't want it and certainly not because we didn't expect it But in the meantime, many of us are savvy aunties. In fact, um, I released a joint national study with Weber Shanwick and KRC Research back in December on the demographic that I uncovered. I dubbed PANK, professional aunt, no kids. Hmm. And when we looked at this demographic and we identified this PANK, this woman as age 18 plus, Who says that she has a child in her life with with whom she has a special bond? So, a niece or nephew by relation, a young cousin by relation, or by choice, their best friend's child, etc. Right. So, there are 23 million panks in America. Holy cow. One in five American women. And that's not just through age 44, like the fertility statistics, that's through any age. However, she is younger than mom on average, age 36 versus age 46. Right. And she, um, you mentioned the toys before, on average, each Pank spends per child in her life per year $387.
0: Holy cow! And
5: Uh, 76% of them, so more than three-quarters of them, spend over $500 on each child each year. Yeah. Now, before um, some of your listeners say, oh, yeah, because I love to spoil them and, you know, give them the gifts and make a mess and then leave, well, not really. Actually, 34% of Panks contribute to a child's education. Man. And... Almost 7 out of 10 say that they were a role model.
0: But I thought children. you hated kids, you guys.
5: Right? That's, See? Well, that's, that's the irony. What a joke. Fact, with, the biggest irony is this, right? That parenthood is, is a legal obligation. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't have this child and then leave it on a doorstep. You, you have to take care of your child. The difference is with anthood is I don't have to do any of it.
0: You're choosing it.
5: Everything we do is a gift. And yet, we are the unsung heroes. We are Absolutely. not appreciated.
0: I had a pank in my life, Melanie. My mom's sister, Marjean was her name, uh, was never married. She was there. She took. She was. She was always there. She was always there. I always got a Christmas present from her. I always got a birthday present from her for literally her entire life. She was kind of a second second mom, almost a second grandma to us. Changed our lives. She actually just passed away a few months ago. And you don't really quite know how big of a role these people play until you actually add up the time, the games she was there. I mean, it's you know what else is really powerful that I saw with my um, my aunt is she relieved my mom, which gave because my parents divorced. So Mm. she relieved my mom and gave my mom some space to get healthy and and find some hope and energy in her life while, meanwhile, bonding and loving us. So in a weird way, it's um, what on earth is the harm of all of this love on these kids? It can only be good.
5: It can only be good. Exactly. And unfortunately, though, um, you know, we and I know that there are some some dads to feel the same way about the way dads are depicted on television yeah. and in commercials—morons and you know, really just dumb. And right. You don't know how to hold it. Well, you know, childless women are depicted the same way, mm-hmm. and um, and yet we are. I think we're uber maternal. Totally. Because again, this is a choice. Whatever your aunt did for you and did for your mother was a gift. Yep she had no obligation to do it.
0: Yeah, she didn't. She wasn't and, legally obligated. She wasn't yep. told by everyone else to do it. She just that's what's neat. You just knew she loved you.
5: And 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 that that special feeling, you know, an aunt is kind of magical, right? Because a child knows she doesn't have to do it. Right. And so every moment she spends with that child is a whole new world, yeah. a whole new way of looking at life, and children from this young age begin to wonder about their aunt's life and what does her life look like when she's not with them. Mm-hmm. And um, and often enough, um, she's able to provide a different um, a different skill or talent or influence on those children. So if she's artistic, perhaps she inspires the, an, art, an artistic. Artistic child um, if if she is um, a, a one who can listen and and help and give advice, perhaps she 's what I call the confidant aunt. Mm. Right. She's the one who is there when a when a child, even a grown child, doesn't feel like they can come to um, a parent for whatever reason. Now, so your listeners are clear. I do not advocate that a, that an aunt make a decision that a parent should make.
2: Right. Stay out if of that.
5: A child's life is, is in danger. Yeah. Well, being is in danger. The, the, the ant has to act on that, um, but the child has somebody to go to when they're afraid to go to their parent. And the and I created a day, like Mother's Day, it's called Auntie's Day, mm. and it's the fourth Sunday of July. One just passed, the fifth annual just passed, the sixth annual will be July twenty-seven. And on that day, I want every parent to remember that the aunt in that child's life, whether it's the, their sibling, their cousin, their neighbor their best friend, whomever it is, who does anything for that child, does anything for the parent, because many of these ants, by the way, the pangs contribute, about 43% contribute to, or 45%, it's a number, I'm sorry, I don't know exactly, I forget, contribute to the parents, they give the parents money. Oh, so man. The parents can do something for the child. So thank her, appreciate her, acknowledge her, realize that. Like you said, I say, child full, See, that she chooses to love your children.
0: Let me ask you, because it seems like, um, you know, I think everyone tries to throw all of these loving women, the aunts, the neighbors, the cousins, the friends, all of these influential women, um, we try to throw them in on Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. You know, the great general celebration of womanhood. Um, but in, in a way, there's something really special to also setting it aside as something distinct from mother, even. I mean, you're mm-hmm. still motherly and you're still uh, obviously loving and caring. Um, but it's it's something I, I like having an aunt day. I I, I would love exactly. that we had uncle days, too. You know, I,
5: I, I, I agree. It, I agree. I haven't I haven't focused on uncles just yet. Yeah, I agree. Look, but the thing is, I, I think moms deserve their day. Yeah, they don't do. Want to take away no, from, they do. I don't want to take away from her spotlight, right? But it seems like, like we we we, have her...
0: we've mastered that one, it seems like. Right. It's, what uh... we
5: want to do is there's Mother's Day, then there's Father's Day, and then in Ju- July, let's just take a moment. And by the way, not all aunts live next door. You may not be able to take her out for brunch or bring her a bouquet of flowers. Right. But you can certainly call her and just say thank you. I acknowledge. Now... We have pictures of one aunt, the family, through parade and had a banner, Happy Auntie's Day. <laughs> I mean, the things that, these, that, that the families have done, so many do appreciate her. That's powerful. I see it as my mission to make sure that everybody appreciates her, and that more importantly, she appreciates herself and realizes what she's doing for these children. And by the way, not only for the children and not only for the parents of the children she loves, but like I mentioned earlier in, on, this, um, on this show, that she's also there when a mom or dad has to leave early yep. to take care of the kids on maternity leave. She is sacrificing something in her life. She, somehow it becomes an obligation. Well, you don't have kids. You should work on Christmas. Why should I? Yeah. Well, you know, so let's remember that she is a human, that she is a person, that she has a heart. And it's not necessarily by choice that her circumstance is as it
0: is. You know, have you you ever heard Colin Powell speak um, about his aunts? No. You know what? A beautiful thing. So I heard him speaking once. Um, I think you grew up uh, in some neighborhood in New York or Chicago, a big city like the Bronx or somewhere where... Yes,
5: New York, the Bronx.
0: Was was it the Bronx? And... um, He says he would so, you know, he'd leave his house and I think his mom may have even had to work or something. So he would leave. And but he said he said, I had an aunt literally in every building in -hmm. the Bronx. So he said, Mm -hmm. I couldn't get in trouble because my these women would talk. And, um, he's, so how, how did this guy in the Bronx turn out so good with uh, a mom that had to, to work and had a, uh, had a harder life? Um, he says, cause I had, we had this network and my mom had a network of women. Um, and he, I think he called them all ants and I think a lot of them were. And he says, there's no getting in trouble when you got 20 eyes looking at you. It was the, it was just really powerful to sit there and think, there's the culmination of, the network, and again, in in, in a way, no wonder uh, moms tend to be so socially networked, um, because yes. it just it it pays off to have twenty eyes looking at your children. And again, I, there's not a harm to it, and yet and yet we almost kind of undermine the great um, heart of these women when we look at them and we only judge them by, you don't have a child,
5: or we say to them you'll never really know love Ugh. until you have a child.
2: That's got to you know, just...
5: We, you, you can't measure love. Right. You can't. And we don't know the love that a woman has for all the children in her life, nor does it matter because we are not in competition. The important thing is is that we raise these children together as a nation, as a community, that these children know that they are loved and they are safe and that... We respect each other, that we would stop judging each other, and that we live together, um, really, you know, as a family.
0: Yeah. And it seems like love, like you're saying, is created, um, it's not just in, it doesn't seem like it's just inherently born in the blood. It seems like it's it's born in the moments of worrying about it and and talking and calling and being there and paying a few bills here and there and picking up the slack and being there early to drop off your niece. I mean, mm-hmm. love is born in the in the service, not just in the DNA.
5: That, that's right. You just birthing a child. Um, does not um, make you the only one who can love a child, mm. and in fact unfortunately, we know some mothers who've who 've given birth to children and are not, they don 't have the mental capacity right. um, or emotional capacity for love so um, we we would all do we would all fare better if we didn 't measure love but rather just appreciated the love that we have
2: oh
0: um, what 's you got about one minute, okay? Tell me, what's the one thing, just not measuring love and just appreciating the love we've got, seeing it, and, and, and even celebrating it, like with Auntie Day in July, what, what's the one message you'd love every, of, every one of us out there who, um, who don't quite understand why some of you don't have children? But what do you want us to understand?
5: It's not you don't have to understand it. You just have to not judge it. Just. It's not about understanding. It it doesn't matter. It's none of anybody's business why not, one has children or why doesn't one. Right. Why doesn't? But just don't judge it, and appreciate all the things that that woman or man does. For the children in your life, for the children in their life, and just in your life in general. Mm. Let's just not judge each other. Yeah, And understanding implies that there's an issue that I have to get over. You right. get over
2: it. Yeah, I know.
0: Well, and invite them in, it seems like, too. Invite yeah. these people in and let them use those gifts, those wonderful gifts that they possess to help influence our children. Melanie Notkin, you are the bomb. com. Go check her out there. Really great stuff. Again, I think you can see why she's one of the top ten women in social media, and probably more importantly, probably one of the top ten women in changing uh, how we uh, how we take care of each other on this earth. Appreciate it, Melanie Notkin. This is the Matt Townsend show. We're going to take a break. Come back and uh, give you some more tools to uh, deal with life. Appreciate you listening. This is BYU Radio. back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We, uh, we've we been talking about childless, and I really loved Melanie's words, childful. Uh, again, most people uh, want to have kids. Most women, according to her statistics, really do want children. It's just, you got to get everything lined up, and getting it all lined up doesn't always work. I appreciate that. I also appreciate the power that uh, we can all have in the lives of our Our own nieces, our own nephews. And again, this, just because we're talking about women and aunts, doesn't mean uncles can't step in as well and play a major role in that. So let's go to our own Colonel Rob Sanders. Yeah, because what about the children? What about the children? The war on children in
4: the news. As a kid, it all starts when your parents want to take you out to dinner. Restaurants don't want you there. Yeah, so this War on Children starts at a family-friendly restaurant in Houston that now bans children after 7 p.m. Kids have to eat after 7 p.m.? War on Children! (laughs) Practically around the corner, also in Texas, another store has a sign that clearly says, No Children, Please. In fact, one children's patriot mother says she was outraged when the store kicked her and her kids out. For no good reason, Other than the fact that a previous parent had a child in there that broke a lot of expensive stuff and then the parent left without paying. War on children! And it's overseas, too. A big airline in Singapore now is banning children from part of its economy section called the Scoot in Silence section. Just because a few business travelers happen to have a migraine from that big business meeting and don't want to hear crying, now the kids are being pushed to the back of the plane. War on children! Even the business magazines are against kids, one arguing that kids shouldn't be paid an allowance. Or Time magazine arguing that children... Might not bring happiness, but might actually bring misery. Since when have kids ever caused misery? War on children! One of the most chilling of all from NBC, a blogger arguing that it is okay for parents to go on vacation without their kids. What? I used to be a kid and I would have hated that. Hey, mom and dad, where are we going? Where are we going? I'm sorry, son, we're not taking you with us. What? Where are you going? Well, you're going to stay here with your aunt, and your mother and I, we're going to go back to Disneyland to relive our honeymoon. What? War on children! Even our beloved fast food chains, which are so kid friendly, are turning against kids. Taco Bell saying it's the first national fast food chain to drop its kids' meals, which they say is for profitability reasons, but we'll put that aside. War on children! You think of the domino effect that could have if, say, other fast food chains cut out their kids' meals. <gasps> or their play areas. Even Mother Nature, those against the kids. A wildfire destroyed a cabin in New York State at a kid's summer camp. And one school bus driver didn't even take the kids home from school. He dropped them off at the park. Of course, the school district did fire him, but still, war on children! And the few kids that do make it home, one school district is subjecting them to psychological torture, making them listen to elevator music to calm them down on the way home. In fact, they even go so far as to admit that their idea is not to entertain, but to soothe the children. Kids want to be entertained! War on children! And finally, worst of all, this blogger teaches moms how to subject their kids to... To interrogation techniques Sometimes a kid just wants to come home from school And be left alone She gives moms tips like Ambushing your kids in the car so they can't leave Telling them about her day Hoping the kids open up Asking the perfect number of questions So the kids don't feel you're badgering them So they can feel you can trust you Caring moms who want to know about their kids War on children
0: I don't know that I've ever heard you so energized.
4: It's – nobody's thinking about the children.
0: What about the kids, for crying out I mean, loud? it
4: wasn't long ago I was a kid.
0: I still look at you as a kid.
4: At times. My baby <laughs> cricket, face. Cricket, cricket.
0: Um, great show. Did you guys learn anything? Anything stand out as you think about it? So, I mean, the, the real war may have been the war on people that aren't having kids. Like, we look at them like they're just – what's your deal? Pariahs. Pariahs, a great word. But in – I mean – have we not learned that apparently they also want kids? I mean, there's some that don't, but that's that might just be the loud minority.
1: Just because you don't have kids, that doesn't mean you don't want
0: them at yeah. some point eventually. Also doesn't mean you wouldn't be great with them. Also doesn't mean we banish you to an island of childless people. Instead, maybe what we do is we bring you in and help you help us.
1: Or better yet, put us to work taking care of your kids. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm a wonderful resource for my sister because I can stay up very late. I can get up very early and I can run around and exhaust her children.
0: Totally. Well, and again, you can relate to her ch- children like only a child could. Exactly.
1: And if it wasn't for the
4: no-children crowd, who would be the babysitters to the has-children crowd? Because if everybody had mm. kids at the same time, every Friday night, everybody would be staying in.
1: Restaurants would close. The economy would collapse. So be thankful for us, kid or not childless. childless. The childful. Yeah. Childful.
4: And what are, are us no-kids people supposed to do is we work as waiters to serve the married couples who are finally getting a break.
1: So, we wouldn't have a job. So really, we're preserving freedom. That's what we've discovered. Wow. Those who don't have kids are preserving freedom.
0: You guys learned stuff that I don't even remember
4: talking about. Well, we're taking a side note because I'm not as articulate Well, as I think she it's because you
0: guys have been in there talking. That too. So you've probably
2: taken this to a different level. of that moment, that that moment
4: in level. English class when you get to, okay, so what was your thought on the book? <laughs> well,
1: this artwork on the cover is yeah. great. I like, I like what everyone else has said. I like the part where they killed a Mockingbird. It's like, I'd actually... (laughs) Uh, The um,
0: Mockingbird. Okay. Um, Good stuff. So, again, be careful when you're judging people for having children. I've walked into a restaurant with six people and had stink eye by about 50 people that are like, you're bringing your kids in here. What, you want your kids to eat? Be careful of that. Also, be careful on the flip side. Don't judge people that uh, you just don't know what's going on. Some of these people have been begging for a child. One of my favorite quotes uh, that I just found by Charles Dickens says, I just found it, but it's my favorite one that I found. No one is useless in this world who lightens the burdens of another. No one is useless, and you should never feel useless because you can't have a kid, because you're not married, because you don't have everything uh, that you, you kind of want in your life, your, your worth is not valued and determined by what you have. It's probably more determined by what you give and how you serve. Thanks for listening, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. We'll be back tomorrow.